Welcome back, motherfuckers. We're back with another episode, and I brought you guys a very special guest, man. With me today, I have with me the local legend, skate legend from La Habra. We got me, Jeremy Ray. What's up, Jeremy? What's happening? Good to be here, dude. <laughs> it's good to have you here, man. I'm telling you, not to sound like one of those fanboys, like a little bitch, but I used to watch your skate videos all the time, dude. Yeah. All the time. In fact, we used to play the uh, the original one, you all eat in front of it, the little kids. Oh, the, yeah, the color video. The color that's, video. That's way old. That's yeah. old school, man. We used to, Well, we used to have it because my next-door neighbor, he had all the skate videos. So we used yeah. to, that was like our thing. We used to go over his house and just fucking jump his fence when he wasn't there and just fucking steal his shit because he had all the best skate videos. His parents, yeah. were kind of, they had some good money. And uh, that's what got us into skating, man. I swear to God, dude. Like some, some good ones. Some good ones, man. I swear to God. It's it's a long time coming, dude. When did, uh, when did you start skating? Do you remember? When I was eight years old, I got my first skateboard, but uh, started a little before that because my brother Jazz, who's three years older than me, had the first skateboard in the family, mm -hmm. and we'd all just mess around on his. For about a year, we were probably just taking turns on his and messing around, um, just bombing hills and stuff, just even buttboarding down the hills yeah, in Glendale. the good shit. Yeah, we so had some good hills over there, and then uh, eventually Jonas, my little brother Jonas, got his board next. And then I was the next one to get one, and uh, I waited till my birthday. I think I had to wait like three more months till my birthday, Fuck. and I got my first one. Dude, it makes it all worth it when you have to wait for it like that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a guitar guy, so I remember yeah. my brother played guitar first, same shit. Yeah. And he fucking was way better than me, but then now I'm way better than him, so fuck that guy. But, <laughs> but I had to wait forever to get the right guitar, and right. now it's, it's, it's so much better, man. Do you still have that first guitar? I do. It's nice. It's a little fucked up because like the, I, it was the drunk guitar. I was always the kid that like was... Decent at guitar compared right. to like people professionals. I'm decent, but to my friends, I was like the star. Like they, they just never fucking played. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just better than the person who sucks at it. Now, how did you learn? Did you learn by teaching yourself the chords and stuff like that, or yeah? Did you come up like in YouTube videos and like no? Or did anyone else try to like show you how to do it? So when I first started playing, it was all by myself, and then we had a uh, we had tabs online. Okay. And it's basically like it's. It's strange. It's kind of like six lines, and they have like numbers on them, and yeah. like the lines indicate what the strings are, and then the numbers yeah. are like where you put your fingers. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, but I learned that way, and I recommend to people to learn it that way too, just because yeah. it feels better when you learn it. I, I still can't read a sheet of music. It's fucking Chinese to me. I don't yeah. know what that is, but yeah, man. So I had the same. I had the same exact situation, but um, when when the skateboards were coming out, that was the old school ones. Yeah. Right. I'm talking like Lords of Dogtown boards. No, I was in the 80s, so like my first board was about probably 10 inches wide with Fuck. like a a really round, short nose. It didn't even go up in the front. It was just flat all the way to the nose. No shit. And it was probably only like maybe a two-inch nose. Fuck. Yeah, and just it just had the, a nice square tail, and even that was pretty mellow compared to the boards of today. Holy shit, man. But uh, it was a Volterra shattered model board. Volterra. So that came Shout with out. all like the... The nose grab, the like little nose guard and the rails and the skid plate, all the like the hardware was on it. Wow, that's so they intense, were, they were heavy back then. But I I rode that board for about the first year I think. Oh shit! Yeah, how, and, and you said you go up in in uh, Glendale. We were in Glendale for this part, yeah. Okay, and how we long lived you in there? Glendale for about five years, like mostly from like third grade to about seventh grade I think. Okay, and then you came to Lahaba right after that. We uh, did one year in uh, Calabasas. And then ended up in La Habra after that. So I moved to La Habra um, like Christmas break of my freshman year in high school. Oh, shit. So that was like probably right between 89 and 90. Calabasas to like La Habra. That. Yeah. That's a transition, man. You find like, what the <laughs> fuck, mom and dad? Appreciate it. Bring <laughs> oh, it yeah. They're, well, when we went to La Habra, they hadn't banned like sports gear yet. Oh, okay. So there was a lot of Raiders gear when we moved in. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck? Is the Salinas tires here? This place sucks, yeah. dude. <laughs> no, just a lot more Cholos than I've ever been around in my life. Right? But That's like, they funny. were all cool with us because like most of them used to skate. Exactly. And they'd see you skating like, oh, you still skate, bro? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, you know what? It's like the, it's, it, it is like the Lords of Dogtown. Like it's, yeah. it's the mentality. I, I talk about this with my buddy, uh, my roommate here, JB, because in La Habra, and this is serious, I'm not even trying to be fucking funny. If you didn't skate or play sports, I thought you were a bitch. Yeah. I mean, serious. Like, I was like, well, you have nothing to offer me. Like, you, I can't do fucking business with you. Like, you're yeah. not a kid to me. What do you do? Like, maybe music, I yeah, like, exception. Yeah, like sit home and play video games or yeah. something? Yeah, an exception with music. Like, if you're really a savage on the guitar, like, that's cool. You guys had a band. 
That's awesome. There's but actually a lot of musicians that came out too, huh? There did. There was. So yeah. that was, I was going to mention that too. So from my from my neighborhood street, we had uh, Griffith Project, who mm-hmm. always practiced three houses down from me from uh, Mondo. He was the bassist. Yeah. And that was that was a soundtrack to our neighborhood. It really was, man. They would play all day. I, didn't, I only I don't even think I met them when I was a kid. I just would just listen. We had a little fucked up handrail that my dad yeah. made. It yeah. was fucking terrible, man. Like it. You think Mexicans would be good at creating shit? Nah, he fucked it up. There was like bumps in the rail. Like he always ate. You had to like, all right, go past the bump. Right. And like you had to put fucking bricks on the end so that way it wouldn't fall apart. Or but, fall uh, over. Fall yeah. over, all that yeah. stuff. But um, I was like your average skater. But skating to me was the mentality part. That's all it was about. Like it wasn't yeah. about being necessarily good because I, I, everyone has their limit. I fucking sucked. I was okay. I ollied the... Uh, our skate spot was the chiropractic college. Yeah, next to where I live. One. Yeah, yeah. So they had like the big uh, eight stair in the front and the ten in the back. Yeah, which I'm sure you fucking ripped a thousand times already. We skated there a few times. I remember Luna doing some stuff there. I think he like frontside half capped the big set at Jesus one point, something Christ, like that. Man. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was our fucking that was our childhood, man. It was a fucking great time. And um, so when you when you came to La Habra, mm-hmm. um, how quickly did you go pro from La Habra? Like, who was your first sponsor? We uh, didn't get sponsored until we went to skate camp. So I think in 89 and 90, I think we went to skate camp up in Visalia, Lake Sequoia. Oh, yeah. It was like a YMCA skate camp, but um, there were like pros that would come through and do demos and just skate with all the kids and hang out That's fucking for the cool, week. Man. So when we were up there on one of the years, we went one year and then went the next year. And then by that following year, we were sponsored and went back as like sponsored kids to go skate with all the other kids. So we oh, had to go shit. for free on that third year. But um, yeah, that second year we went, it was the team manager for Thunder and Spitfire was this guy, uh, Shrugi, they called him. And uh, he um, saw me and Jonas skate because we had skated in the street contest um, that they had for the campers. And Jonas got first, and I got second in that contest. Oh, shit. So they sponsored Jonas right off the bat, like gave him some stuff. And then uh, they told me to send in a sponsor me tape. So when we got home, I filmed the sponsor me video. It was like a slap video. in the face. You're like, motherfucker. Like, I, you know I got <laughs> the talent? Come on. I just, you never know. With the families and stuff, there's a, usually like the one little brother is just the best, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like in Nigel's family, you know? He was the littlest dude. But he skated the hardest and just had dedication. He right. had older brothers that were actually really good, but they got outshined by by little Nija. It's always you it's know? always the youngest brother. It's yeah. always because you're learning from all. You have to catch up at a young age. Yeah, that's how it was with exactly. Him. Yeah. yeah, you learn quick because you are you're playing catch up. Exactly. On my street, we had everyone on my street was talented or funny as shit about something. Right. So like you had no choice. Like if you if you weren't funny, then you're gonna cry, <laughs> and they would make fun of you until you cried, and like that's it. You couldn't hang with the big boys. Yeah, this is what it is. But same thing, man. Um, who was your first sponsor? So the first sponsors were Thunder and Spitfire in the end. Okay. It's like Thunder Trucks and Spitfire Wheels. So they started sending us stuff to the house. And then uh, my first board sponsor was Blockhead Skateboards. And that oh, shit. happened through Skate Camp, too, because um, the owner uh, was Dave Bergthold. He owned Blockhead Skateboards. His brother, Kevin, was part of the camp scene. So he's the one that told us that we should probably send tape down there too so that same tape that got me on thunder and spitfire ended up in the hands of the blockhead team and uh laban fadias at the time was uh their top pro he saw my video and was like yeah let's let's get this kid on here god damn so i went straight into filming for a video part for one of their videos right after that i've always wanted to ask when you when you film a video Mm -hmm. how does how does who the fuck is next to you guys with the camera angles? That that always seemed like the hardest thing in the world. Like yeah. when I would watch the skate video, I'm like, dude, like what the guy's doing is insane. But who's the motherfucker like trailing him? Right. Like that seems it difficult. It takes a lot of skill. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it definitely makes a difference who you film with. Because if you're filming with your friends, you're going to get that kind of footage. It just doesn't look as good as when you get someone who really knows how to use that camera, get the right angles, right. and like just get as close as they can with a fisheye and just make everything look good. Right. Yeah. I remember there was a there was a story um, where you was it your cameraman where they thought you're a, you guys were like a sniper at La Habra or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> no the cops got called because we went to La Habra High and uh, we were trying to shoot photos on the roof gap and uh, our photographer Dan Sturt came in and he had a, a tripod in like a zip up case, <laughs> yeah. so someone saw him going into the school and he's a like a a pretty large intimidating looking dude. 
kind of sketchy if you don't know him. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they saw the case and they thought that he had a rifle. So the, the phone call went into the cops that, yeah, there's someone on campus with a rifle. And was this pre-Columbine or post-Columbine? Uh, it Probably before. Okay. I'm guessing it was before, but it was still a big deal. And uh, right. the cop came in um, with his gun out and ran up on the scene. And he was so relieved that it was just a tripod. <laughs> but he's like, you guys still got to go. Yeah. But thank God it wasn't a rifle. <laughs> we, we got a whole different story he told to oh, us. Oh, man. Yeah, but we got kicked out that day. That's fucking funny. So yeah. what was your uh, your first, or what was the year when you went pro? Do you remember? It would have been 93. 93. I graduated in 93, and it was that same year that I turned pro, got my first um, pro board for Blockhead. Fuck. Yeah. And your video came out, your first pro video came out like right after that? Yeah, still in 93. Yeah. I had a couple of video parts in 93 and 94. So because uh, the Blockhead videos, I had two um, parts in the Blockhead videos. And then right after that was Color, the one that we had talked about right, before. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the big Ollie and the kids freaking out. That's the best. That's yeah, the that's best a good intro. intro. It's the best intro because it's yeah. you can't even make that up. Yeah. You can you can try to have actors for that and they would fuck it up. Especially kid actors. I right. mean child actors were the shit in the sixties, seventies, eighties. But still, I mean, that was like a natural, raw reaction. The kid was in complete disbelief. And so was everyone. When you're, if even if the kid wasn't fucking there, I would have yeah. been like, "Oh my god, are you serious?" And then when the kid was there, he's like, "I don't right. believe it." Like, yeah, I might use that clip just to put it in the podcast well, as that, part of the song. That or intro is so rad because we were trying the trick, and uh, those kids rolled up, and they hadn't seen any of the tries before, so they're just rolling down the street, and I just happened to do it, and they saw only one try, and I ollied that far and cleared Holy the gap, shit. and like. For their little minds, they'd never seen anything like that. No, you know? negative, not and at all. And the funny thing is, that is almost like a 20-foot ollie. Holy and even today, shit. that would be amazing if you saw someone do that. For sure. So for that long ago, that was impossible to a kid. Like He's never seen anything like that. There's no way that's possible. And even when I was looking at the gap, I said it was impossible. So the only reason I tried it is our buddy Jason Dill was with us. Mm-hmm. And because I said it was impossible... He tried it, and he kept trying it and trying it and trying it, and he got closer and closer every time until finally he had, he had ollied far enough to kick out his board and land with his feet past the gap, and his board cleared the gap. And just okay. by seeing that, like, okay, then it must be possible. Right, if your body can land over right. it. Right, if yeah. you and your board made it, then it's physically possible to do it. But I, I thought it was just way too far. And then uh, when he had one more try and he did it and he kicked it out, his feet landed right on the edge of the curb and uh he had some thin van shoes on so he just hit the curb like bruised the middle of both of his like the arches of his feet yeah and he's like that's it i'm out but now that i proved that you can do it why don't you just go ahead and do it just go get up there and do it i know you can do it such fucking bro science like Like, Like, i'm gonna like i'll I'll try to get your back i'll do it oh my god and uh it was probably at the time the fastest i had ever gone on my skateboard because you're bombing a hill and pushing, and I was pushing Jesus as hard as Christ. I could. And that, I, if you had a like a radar gun on that, I have no idea how fast that was, but it was it was up there. Did you did, at any point during your mind was there like, what if I hit a fucking rock? Did that ever come across your mind at least it, once? It can happen. I I got lucky on that one because even back then we're riding the smaller wheels. We were riding like thirty nine or forty millimeter wheels, oh, which shit. are tiny. Nothing. Yeah. So even getting that much speed on those little things is crazy. But uh, yeah, I was just focused on. Just clearing that gap because the worst thing is if you came up like an inch short. Oh my god! So I cleared it by like half a foot just because I wanted to make sure I didn't lock at the end because you had to clear that that dirt hole and it was such a hard edge. Yeah. That yeah, if you locked, you'd be devastated. Unbelievable. There's yeah. a uh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I literally have you can see them on my hands right here. You can see there's like mm-hmm. little scars between my knuckles. Mm-hmm. I lie to everyone. I tell people I got in like fights with tigers and shit. But that's literally from the the planters across the street from my house at Rancho Starbuck. Right. It's like the small little planters. Like it's for basic skaters to just learn how to practice how to clear ollies right. over some little just gap. A nice little square in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I went too slow. Yeah. And then my truck got in the back. I flew forward, and I when I landed, my hands landed like this, and I landed on a rock. But oh. it looks like I looks like I get in a lot of fights or something, and it's not true. But yeah, so I know what that's like on the basic, small, tiny scale. But that is abs- I, I locked insane. on one gap. Um, it was a street gap, like sidewalk to sidewalk, huh? and it was in um, Santa Barbara in UCSB. 
And it was the same one that Sean Sheffy ollied in an old life video. That might be older than the New York Times, too. I it know. Was before the color video, it was like a, it was called Life Soldier Story. Oh, shit. And uh, it was for life skateboards. And Sheffy had an amazing part in this thing. But he ollied like a street. It was from one sidewalk to the other. It looked like a two-lane street. It was like, how in the world? And then we ended up skating that school and found it. It was the actual one that he did. So as kids, we were trying to do it. And uh, I was able to get enough speed, and I got it, and I ollied it. On another trip to Santa Barbara, we showed up, and I go to ollie that same thing in the morning. And it was the first like time I tried it of the day. Yeah, I came up just that one like maybe half an inch too short it, i <laughs> locked my kingpin on that curb and i i probably slid a good 15 feet on oh my just God. my shoulder like i locked so bad that my feet went in the air my whole body got tossed and i slid on just my shoulder i didn't hit my head i didn't hit my hip just completely sliding on my oh shoulder oh my God, I, it, man. it wore down through the skin like i, I still have a mark from it i think <laughs> Just yeah, it wore wore down to the white meat. You that's know? brutal. <laughs> that's brutal, man. We've all been yeah. there, but dude, that well, that's what I said. That's what it, it's. That's what skating is. Yeah, it's that's part of it. Man. It's the funnest. That's what makes it hilarious, man. Like most yeah. of my skating stories. First of all, like I said, I wasn't that good. Yeah. So my skating stories are just about just the shit you get into. Like I remember going like all the time it was me and my buddy uh, uh, Mitch Callan. He's gonna come on the podcast a little bit a uh, couple weeks mm-hmm. from now. He's a hockey player. For like the Red Wings, I think, or mm-hmm. I don't know what fucking team he got traded to, but um, <laughs> me, 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 him, and uh, my other buddy Jordan, and we go to the bus stop at uh, Imperial and Beach, mm-hmm. and just take that shit all the way down to Huntington Beach, like oh, every, yeah. every Friday or Saturday, yeah, all the time. That was us before we had cars and stuff. When we were still in high school, we would, yeah, we would take the bus. It was that twenty nine A straight yeah. down to HB, and it would drop us off right at the high school. So we'd go Dude. skate Huntington Beach High School, oh, my and God. uh. Before it was a bus, we just skate there. We get there bright and early. Yeah, everyone, early. For whatever reason, everyone liked to leave. Take that bus that left at like six thirty yeah, or something. Yeah, I used to take the six one. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's way too early to be going <laughs> skating. You know? I know it was nuts, man. But you know what? I always, I always like credit that uh, the bus trips yeah. to like how I conquered my fear of homeless people. Because when I was when I was oh, yeah. young, there's characters on there. Characters. Oh you, yeah. You have no choice. Like especially your parents. For me, my parents maybe gave me twenty bucks a week, and right. I was like. That felt like 200 bucks. That was us, too. We got the 20 bucks a week. Yeah. And it, we made it last for food and everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. You found out Arizona iced teas. They were a dollar. Yeah. Taco Bell burritos are a dollar. You just figured it out. But so I'm like, I can't let this motherfucker mug me. All these stories, <laughs> all these things are important, you know? So like, yeah. you, just, you had to figure it out. And uh, man, I remember that, dude. It was fucking good times. But that's that's what I have. That's what I took away from skating is yeah. that it gave you a fucking childhood, man. It gave you experience. Well, it gets you out there. Like, you definitely see some stuff on the streets and run into all kinds of crazy people. Yeah, for sure. And then... you Especially learn... when you're filming, too, because sometimes you want to film the people that are acting crazy near you, you know? <laughs> so... Yeah. You end up with some cool, weird footage. Dude, and... like, I remember, like, even in the... um, And you weren't related to this one, but the Baker 3 video, there's a yeah. part where, like, there's some crazy, like, transient lady, and she's, like, talking to shit, and they're like, who the fuck is this lady? Yeah. And I like that they just do it in the video. They're like, fuck it, let's just let it in there. Yeah, that's some of the most memorable stuff from those early videos is just... The weird quotes from homeless and just, you know, <laughs> just some crazy people. And that stands yeah. out more than the skating sometimes if you get a really just wild one. Yeah, exactly. That Well, that's what people started relating to later. Some people got smart about that because at first it was just like all skate videos. And it was very like, it wasn't impersonal, um, yeah. but it was also like very like almost, almost godly. Like, cause you saw these characters on the screen that you're like, dude, like they're doing things that I can never do. And that's what makes it so appealing. But yeah. then when you saw the real side of them, when they're doing like going to like, you know, whatever their trick was and they show the run-ups and them falling and they show right. them like, uh, talking about the trick before they're even going to fucking do the trick. All those things that people really wanted to see. Right. And then it led into social media. And then now that's like kind of like a, like a thing everyone does now. Skaters always telling yeah. their stories about everything. Yeah, it's fun to hear the backstories on some of the tricks that, you know, you see in the magazines and maybe, yeah, just there is stories that are good with all that stuff. Like the scary ones or the big things that people did that made the cover. Right. Hearing the backstory of like how they found the spot or like, you know, how they ended up there in the first place. For sure. Yeah, it's cool. So with your first uh, board sponsor, um, how does it Mm -hmm. go about even making the boards? Like, do you get a say in it or do do they have a design and they go, we're going to make something and pitch it to you? How does that go? Uh, it depends. Like for me, since 
I was doing all my own artwork for most of my stuff. So like oh, shit. when it came down to deciding for my first pro board, I guess Dr. Seuss had just passed away like the year before. So in my high school art class with Miss Camuccio, I drew a tribute to Dr. Seuss with all of his characters and stuff. No way. And then uh, it ended up being like when it was time to choose a board graphic, I was like, I have this thing. It might work. And then I just had to take it down because I had drawn it in like a square format and the boards are tall and skinny. So I took it into Kinko's, got a copy made, cut out the characters and stacked them up to make it like the shape of a board. Yeah. And I turned that in and then they were able to make that into a board graphic. So do you so, do you still have the original artwork for that? I have the original artwork, and then uh, I have the original artwork that I drew, but then I also have the one that I stacked and copied for the, the board graphic. Right. So I took that one, and I was able to make my first art prints with using that. I still had the black and white line art, so I scanned it in, popped in all the colors, and uh, made like a full full color art print. And uh, insane, our buddy man. Gary Reyes, who um, he was running a print shop, like a high-end print shop. Yeah. So he did a full like offset lith- lithograph print. So it's like museum quality paper and everything, and it's like a twelve by thirty-six inch. So wow. Yeah, those came out super good. So we did a limited run of those and uh, just been selling those. And they bought it. They're like, "Fuck yeah, this is awesome." Oh, it came out good. The the print came out better than the board because no the board shit. back then was on a slick bottom, so it has like the plastic piece on the bottom like the layer yeah and uh you sublimate the graphic in so it comes out a little fuzzy a little blurry yeah and then the offset lithograph was just crisp it looks it looks way better than the board and you know what's interesting man is when you create something like that like it's it's a trendsetter 100 percent. you see it take off so fast like everyone has like their basic boards with their name on it and then some sort of like fuck i don't know something something basic but when you have some crazy artwork like that all of a sudden, every yeah. company starts having crazy artwork in their shit. Everyone starts kind of doing the same thing. And they won't admit it, but, like, a lot of times that's where it comes from. It's from someone just getting creative. Like, I'm sure I'm sure everyone saw that Dr. Seuss thing. is like, that was fucking genius. <laughs> you know? Like, no one would have decided to put Dr. Seuss on the fucking board. Yeah, it was just a tribute to him and all the characters. Like, we all, of course, grew up on Dr. Seuss books and stuff of like course. that. And always, like, Cat in the Hat. And just, I actually liked his artwork, too. The way he drew his characters, all the shading and the lines and stuff. Right. And just the way he drew the eyes. I was just into drawing characters, too, at the time. So. Do, you, do you think any of that had, like, any uh, impact on you as a skater? Like, any artwork stuff? Do you think, like, the creativity in that had anything to do with you being a successful skater? Well, the, it's weird how much art and skateboarding go hand in hand. There's a lot of skateboarders, especially from, like, the early 80s and 90s that uh, were into art and they skated. And... You know, people that did their own graphics and went on and did more stuff in the art world, too. But um, I think it's just being creative. It does lend to skateboarding, too, just coming up with tricks to try and looking at things differently. So they definitely are, they go hand in hand, for right. sure. And speaking of that, I, I saw that you're doing this uh, one one trick a day type of thing mm-hmm. going on right now. How's that? That's honestly insane. For someone basically as dumb as I am, I have I've, I don't even know how, to, I can't even come up with fucking tricks past a week. I don't yeah. know how you're doing that, man. Well, at one point, I guess it was in 2016, I realized that I wasn't getting out to skate as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I decided to try to do a kickflip a day and see if I could run it for my my New Year's resolution from January 1st all the way to December 31st, just try to do at least a kickflip every day. And uh, I made it. I was able to film it and make one kickflip every day. And uh, I just put it on Instagram so people would enjoy it. And uh, when I made it to the end, it was like, well, what do I do now? I don't want to keep doing kickflips for another year. Yeah. So I was like, well, what if I could do a different trick every day? So I started, uh, I was up in Big Bear for the end of the year. So my last kickflip was on like a snowy, icy road in the middle (laughs) of the mountains. And it was on a broken board. And I finished up the year with that. That's tight. So while I was still up there... Because we were up there for New Year's. So on January 1st, I woke up like, well, I don't want to keep doing kickflips. Let me see what I can come up with. And I was still in that icy road. So what I ended up doing was backing the car out of the driveway. And that was the one spot that didn't have any snow on it. So I was able to do a a big spin right there. And I did a couple shove it tricks to get the year started. And then when I got home, I just kept it going. And uh, I just found different spots, different tricks to do. Try to do every trick four ways, like 
because you can do it regular, you can do it nollie, you can do it switch or fakie. So each flip trick you could do four different ways. Fuck. So just try to explore all this stuff. I actually did a lot of stuff I'd never done before just by trying it that way, you know? That's insane, man. That's absolutely insane. For for someone who sucks at skating, there's just one way. It's regular. That's <laughs> right. it. I'm not trying to... I can't even fucking do a three-flip. I'm not going to do a switch three-flip. You're fucking high. That's crazy, man. Um, yeah, at some time in the 90s, that's when every like switch skating got really big. And yeah. you... It was weird because every once in a while, skateboarding seems to get a little stagnant. Like, maybe everything has already been done. Maybe there's nothing new that you could do. Mm-hmm. That's when switch skating... When switch skating came out, it was like... Oh shoot! Now yeah. you got to learn everything <laughs> yeah. all over again, and it learning it switch helped me figure out why it worked regular too, because you kind of like break the trick down where your feet go, where your body positioning is. Yeah, and just learning like a switch kickflip helped me look at my kickflips differently and be like, okay, this is why this works. You know, what? it's super funny you mentioned that because I played baseball my whole life. Oh yeah, and that was what we did. If you're if you're slumping, if you if you're Try hitting to switch like you switch sort of stances because when you switch, yeah. you do you do default. Right. There's nothing special. When you're a kid, you're trying to fucking mimic, uh, Nomar Garcia Para, fucking Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey. You want to have their swings, right? And then you get a little too fancy for your shit, and then right. you, you start getting in your head. Yeah. And when you go lefty, I just have to just try to hit the fucking ball. Right, and then it comes back to the basics, just bringing that bat around and hitting it and exactly. connecting with some power, yeah. Exactly. So it's literally the same thing. Like yeah. it's, it kind of brings you back and forth and it's Yeah. It's really interesting because I always like uh I played baseball and I always skated, so I always did both. And I always found that my friends that were skaters a lot of times were like super low key athletic as fuck. Yeah. And I was like, "Man, you could easily play sports like you have your Verticals ridiculous, like you're jumping. Like a lot of times they would do run ups, right? You know, and then they would clear the gap, like just jumping him. Like that's yeah. a fucking far jump, dude. Like right, you can do. I mean, even and they if, land all light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the f- like? Why are these guys so athletic? But they're usually yeah. very skinny people, right? You know, and they're usually like, it's just when you do when you're skating all day, you're in shape too, right? So I mean, that adds to it. Well, and skateboarding gives you really strong legs, you know. Hell yeah! But your upper upper body, like a lot of skateboarders, are so like buff <laughs> in their thighs and like in their yeah. calves, but their arms are like little weak noodles, <laughs> you know, and no chest whatsoever. So like, that's fucking hilarious. You gotta balance it out. It's true. It's true. But it's it's I've definitely seen where, yeah, uh, skateboarders could be really good at sports, but they don't like usually the organized sports. They just right. want to learn on their own, and yeah, they're really physical. They can take abuse. So, yeah, if you threw them on a team doing something, they could definitely ex- excel, oh, but they just don't want to. 100%. Man. I had yeah. this kid uh, I had this kid I grew up with, man. He was, to this day, he's still like 100 and like fucking 30 pounds. I don't know how fucking skinny he is, but he played football yeah. so a lot. But he was a skater. Yeah. Skater stoner, but his parents just kind of made him fucking play football. Right. And uh, the fucking best tackler on the team. Yeah. Just because he had balls. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. He just dove, he dove straight at your knees, and his form was always good, yeah. and he never slowed down. Just like skating, like he never slowed down. He went full 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 speed no matter what. Yeah, and it's it's hilarious. We still talk about it today because there's guys in the NFL that I grew up with that are like, dude, that food used to hit hard as fuck. I'm like, I know. Yeah, I don't get it, man. They know how to use their body right. You yeah, know? but that's what skating is. Yeah, that's what skating is, man. I've seen I've seen like your the one thing I learned from you when you were skating is I didn't even think it was possible to kickflip when you ollie first. Right. It's 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 very it's a it's a very it's a huge distinction. Like when you're first skating, you just think like hit the back and then flick the fucking thing and then land right. on it. But it's almost it's the most amateur way to really do it. And then you're the first person I really go, holy shit! Like that guy fucking ollied and kick flipped in the air. That's like a way different thing. Yeah, it was it was definitely something that I kind of pioneered because we were doing flat ground tricks. But when you go to the schoolyards, you'd have to get it like over a bench or over a table. So I was trying to figure out how to get that board to come up first so I could get it off the ground to clear these things and flip it a little bit later. So I learned how to do all my tricks from basically an ollie position, which like I don't think anyone had really messed with it before. But um, it worked for me. I figured it out. And once I got it, I could do almost every trick from that same spot and just try to get it, you know, a good like two feet off the ground first and then start flick. So and it makes it makes uh, so much sense, but like to actually put it into practice is extremely difficult, man. It took a little while to just figure it out and make it work, but once I got it, it was way easier to balance because you're you're not like on your tippy toes or you're not on the edge of the board. You're completely flat footed on the board, and you can just be centered. 
And then when you land, you're right in that same spot again when you land. What's, what size board is, is your, your go-to? Well, right now we ride usually about an 8-inch board. Mm-hmm. But um, back in the 90s and stuff, um, that like mid-90s, we were riding like 7.5. They were really small boards. Yeah, skinny. Yeah, and I wore like a size 11 shoe. So like <laughs> my toe was hanging off and my heel was hanging <laughs> off. But people always comment on, you know... Some of the tricks in the secondhand smoke video, the Plan B video, yeah, fucking because epic how video. much my toe was on hanging DVD. off on the frontside flip. They're like, <laughs> how do you do that? But pretty much, it was just riding a, a seven and a half inch board, yeah, in a, a big old shoe. You wow. Know? So speaking of that, um, when did you get your first shoe? Uh, it was when Plan B decided they wanted to get into the shoe game because uh, the owner of Plan B, Mike Terneski, he realized that there was going to be a shift, and all of a sudden the major board sponsor um, wasn't going to be a skater's like main sponsor anymore. It mm-hmm. was shifting more towards shoes because there was a higher return on investment when you do shoes. Mm-hmm. Like they just it had make, to be because of Jordan, more money. Right? Yeah. So like, well, there had been a couple pro shoes. Like I think um, Nottis had a pro shoe with Etnies. It uh-huh. was pretty early on. And then Steve Cavallero had a pro shoe with Vans. And once those two happened and they were kind of successful – other companies started to follow suit and even those brands started to get more people to, you know, get involved and design a shoe and have a pro shoe. So they offered me a spot to create a shoe company that would be owned by plan B. So he pretty much just gave me a green light, just step in there and, and design a shoe and get this thing off the ground. So it didn't have a name or anything yet. So I had to like come up with the name of the company. So I named it Dukes. I came up with the logo, which was this little uh, three interlocking diamonds, and then just spent some time on the design and worked with um, one of the designers at Duff's Shoes. He was a, a well-known shoe designer, but he didn't skateboard. So I was able to work with him and kind of from a skater's perspective what I wanted and he would tell me from a manufacturer and designer's perspective, like what worked and what materials would work for that. And I told him where it wore out. Well, what can we do about that? Layer it different. Like, and then just different hardnesses and even the sole. You know, there were different durometers of rubber we could use. Yeah. So I just went through everything with him and we came up with a shoe that really worked well for skateboarding. That first Duke's um, J Dub, we ended up calling the thing J Dub. I didn't want my name on it. Mm hmm. Originally, I wasn't designing it to be a pro shoe, but by the time it came out, I had uh, had a couple more video parts, started getting covers of magazines, and they just wanted that first shoe to be my pro model now. But I was still coming up, and there were a lot of people that had made bigger names for themselves in skateboarding that didn't have a pro shoe yet, so I didn't know if I was completely ready Uh, for that. I know what you mean, yeah. So I just... Instead of calling it the Jeremy Ray Pro model, I just called the shoe the J Dubs, and I only put my name on the hang tag. I love that. You know yeah. what, dude? The the humility part in skating is fucking huge. People know, people know that they take recognition of that. When I when I was a kid, that was common. Everyone right. that was pro in the neighborhood, like uh, I was a lot of times in Whittier. Yeah. And uh, when I was up and coming in uh, Whittier, there was a uh, like Tony Cervantes. Yeah. From like Fall and all those guys, and he would never ride his uh his board. Right. Or he would always ride someone else's. And he remember he would told us that at the skate park. He's like, right. you, you always ride someone else's board. Yeah. You know? It was like that for sure all through the 90s. And people just weren't all about self-promotion. And, of course, that's changed a lot now. Huge. Nowadays, yeah. the kids, like, they're all about themselves. They just yeah, want to get their yeah. name out there, ride their own stuff, wear their own stuff, and just make as much money as they can. Yeah. They don't worry about selling out anymore. There's That's not even an issue. It's like, yeah. Now they just get to make as much as they want. It's a different be ball sponsored game. by some wax sponsors and like they don't care. That's like, all. We're it making is. money. I'm getting paid. You yeah. Know? Fuck. It, that mentality has definitely changed. Yeah. It wasn't like that when we were coming up. No, not at all. It was for the love of the game, man. It yeah. really was, man. That skate videos were. I swear to God, even when I went to high school and I wasn't skating anymore because I was yeah. in sports, so I wasn't skating more. I would still watch skate videos just to get fucking pumped up. Yeah. Just because I was like, man, it, it gives you like that. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like I'm yeah. feeling confident now, and that's what we used to watch them and then go try our crazy tricks because that would give us like that gave us the inspiration to do it. Yeah, I think the only videos we'd watch that weren't skate videos, we were watching those uh, Krusty Demons of Dirt videos. Oh shit! Those motocross I ones. I remember those. Yeah, just, those guys would go so big. Unbelievable, like, man. That dude Seth Enslow just 
clearing the dune and still going and going and finally hits. They, they would wreck themselves, but you see how big they're going on a, on a dirt bike, and it's like, now it made skateboarding seem small. Like, right. You know, it, insane, I'm, I'm going to fall, but I'll be able to get back up. These guys are going like, you know, <laughs> 120 feet and then slamming. Like, oh, my. I can't even imagine what that feels like. Unbelievable, you know? man. My yeah. uh, my sister's husband, he is a uh, supercross motor. I don't mind. I might be fucking that up. I think it's motocross. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a savage man. But, dude, he crashes all the time. Like, he's always yeah. hurt. He's like, yeah, I got another concussion. I'm like, dude, you're going to be fucked like in five years. But torn yeah. ACLs, this and this. But he's... Balls to the wall, man. I mean, they're it's a diff, they're a different animal, but it's the same animal at the same time. And yeah. you, what you guys do is just it's a different mindset, man. Like I saw, I don't know, I was gonna bring this up too. Like, um, from your colors video, like, mm-hmm. do you think that was the reputation you got when you first cleared that gap? That okay, now he's the big uh, gap clearer. Like, is that something you try to live up to after that? No, I think it was just a progression, like. Every time you go skate and film something, like say you got something down 12 stairs. Mm. Well, you find a set of 13 and you see if you can do one more and then one more and it just keeps growing and growing. So same thing with the distance of gaps, you know, you clear a street gap that was like 15 feet. You want to see if you can go further than that. You know, you keep finding something bigger and based on what you know that you already did, can you push it a little further? That's you go find out, you know? Right. Yeah, so it, it was natural. We weren't just hopping on the biggest stuff right off the bat, you know? Because there's a lot know. of people that would do that, just try to skip all the, the steps to get there and just try something bigger than anything anyone's ever done. Right. And, you know, some some people got smoked. You know? Yeah, <laughs> fucking nuts. Yeah. Which is, brings me to my next question. Um, Because that, when you did when you did the water tower... Yeah. I, I used to play ball. We had family reunions at Pathfinder Park all the time. So I know yeah, yeah. I know those fucking water towers. I've seen them all the time. But not once did I ever think someone's going to jump that shit. Yeah. So how did you get the idea for that? And when did that even come into play? Well, if you live in La Habra and you have to take the 60 east from there, you have to pass by those towers. You yep. just take Fullerton Road over and, and there you go. And I would pass by it all the time when we were going to skate the other spots that were in the Inland Empire, like... Uh, you know, we'd skate Chafee High School or Pioneer, oh, yeah, yeah. all those good skate spots out there. We'd have to pass by those water towers twice, once on the way there, once on the way back. So just looking at it enough, and we started skating roof gaps at that time. We'd skated the roof gap at La Habra High, you know. So it's about the same distance, but La Habra High has like the high to low. These towers were flat, so it makes it way harder just to ollie that far on flat ground. Right. So, yeah, one day we were just driving by. And we didn't have to be anywhere. We weren't on a schedule. We had an extra time, and the sun was still up. So I decided to climb up and just check out firsthand if it was possible. So I climbed up. I figured out a way to get up on the towers, which was hard enough anyway. There was like a fire escape ladder, but it didn't go all the way to the ground. So you had to run and jump off the wall to get to the bottom of it. And then they even had like a like a, a hole that you climb up, like a, a cage that goes oh, around. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, but exactly. But they had the thing... Uh, locked shut there was like a, a screen grate that made it so you couldn't climb the ladder up there so i was small enough and skinny enough to climb the back side of the ladder so i'm between the water <laughs> tower and the ladder and uh i climbed through that way and then once i got high enough i was able to go around to the normal side and climb up and then i had to walk to the edge and look and just even walking to the edge is terrifying i can't you know? imagine dude yeah you're it feels so high up and just it's an optical illusion too as you get closer to the edge and you just see the other wall just get longer and longer, just dropping out of oh view. Oh, my fucking God. It's, it's just a sketchy feeling being up there. How high? Do you know how high was it? Was it ever measured? Probably like 40-something, maybe. Jesus you know, it's, it's in the range of about 40 feet, I think. And the official distance from the gap? It's somewhere around 16 feet. I think it's just over 16 Jesus feet. Jesus Christ, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that, just that video alone, we're like, dude, this that changed the game. It did, because yeah. that's... Every skater noticed that. Like, every, yeah. just on the amateur level, people knew. And then, obviously, on the pro level, I was like, holy shit, this is a different ball game. Everyone was changing the game in some sort of way. You had a, uh, what's the dude doing all the fucking uh, primos and uh, Rodney Mullen? Rodney Mullen. Yeah. yeah. Rodney Mullen doing his shit. He Day pushed skateboarding song. pretty far. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Well, Rodney invented a lot of the stuff, too. Yeah, exactly. So like, even he invented the flat ground Ollie. So he invented no the trick that I did over the water tower. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, because he was crazy. on a freestyle board figuring all that stuff out. And uh, the smaller freestyle boards, they were maybe like 
six inches wide or something mm-hmm. like that. They were pretty narrow, maybe seven. But um, it was like an early version of a street board. And the way they were able to flip them, they flip a lot faster. So, you know, he was able to invent kickflips and double flips from yeah. there, just all on this freestyle board. It was but, like yeah. fucking breakdancing for skateboarding. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Well, yeah, it so was you're, awesome. you're not really moving for some of it. Some of it, you're stationary right. doing these tricks. So, yeah, the first flat ground ollie that he uh, was able to figure out was probably a stationary trick. And then, you know, then you can figure out how to do it moving. But uh, he had really high flat ground ollies, too. Dude, fucking, it was insane, man. He would like, do, like, ollie grabs and stuff. I remember yeah. seeing photos of him in the magazines doing, like, an ollie nose bone or yeah. like a backside grab. In fact, they were, they that, were, looked big. Big, dude. Yeah. In fact, that was one of my favorite uh, skate videos, uh, Almost Round 3. I fucking yeah. loved it, man. That was, like, one of the our go-tos. We used to watch that one. We used to watch a colors video. Just We used to yeah. watch anything La Habra. So, like, when you did the wall... Yeah, I was like, because that's the senior wall. Yeah. That's where yeah. everyone fucking hangs out. So, like, it pissed me off when I was a senior, and I was like, dog, I know this fucking wall. And yeah. no one else knew what it was or, like, that you fucking did that. Yeah. How, how did that go down? Well, you know, I went to school there, and I passed by that wall. probably sat on it a few times. And uh, you see the bump to it, and just in your head, you know, we'd even walk up and put our board up to grind, like, 50-50, just messing around. But... You had to be strong enough to get up there. And I think while I was in high school, I just wasn't able to ollie high enough to get on there. So it wasn't until after school I went back and started trying that kind of stuff. And at first, we were just trying to get on a 50-50. So just go as fast as you can, ollie as high as you can, and see if you're close. <laughs> and I was able to get both trucks on there, leaning back a little bit, so you're kind of on the edge. And then once I was able to get both on there, I was like, okay, if I go a little faster, I think I can actually do this. And because at first you're just kind of seeing if it's possible, testing it out. Right. But yeah, once I went as fast as I could and just ollied as high as I could, I was able to get on it. Jesus and once I could Christ. grind it, then it's like, what else can you do? So I started doing five O's and five O shoves and tail slides and Jesus. you name it. I, I did all kinds of stuff on that thing. Because once, once you open the door, you just got to keep going. That's it. Was, yeah. se- was security tied there back in the day? Yeah, we get kicked out all the time. Yeah. I mean, at, at one point they stopped even coming out. They would just announce it on the loudspeakers. Like, no skateboarding allowed on campus. <laughs> you know, you guys have to leave immediately. The cops have been called, you know? Like, okay. Yeah. So then you just roll out. But uh, we'd always come back. I mean, we didn't have that many other places to skate. And when it came down to it, the Habra had really good spots at that school. Yeah, like big time. We got that thing on the cover of magazines, you know? Fuck. That's Which crazy. cover did that one come out? The roof cap. I was gonna say, yeah, I remember yeah. the roof cap. Yeah, the that roof was cap huge. was just an amazing looking thing. Like the the architecture makes it look cool, you know. So it's just a surprisingly good looking spot. Yeah, that's the best part about fucking skating, man. When you're yeah. skating around the neighborhood with your friends, just trying to find a spot, and yeah. you find one, it's like, oh my god, it's it, you fucking lose your mind. Yeah, you, you're always looking for sketchy ways. Like who the fuck the fuck's security guard at the chiropractor? We always knew the security guard was there. Yeah, always. And this one time we actually got caught. I remember this. We got caught. And the guy came, we're like, oh, dude, like, we can't even run away. This guy was in shape. So we're like, oh, yeah. we're kind of fucked on this one. And um, we're like, hey, sir, sorry about that. We'll leave. Yeah. And he's like, give me your board. And I was like, this motherfucker. I was like seven, so I was scared. I was like, fine, I'll give him my fucking yeah. board. And he did a kickflip. No way. He did a kickflip. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is really cool. He did a kickflip. He's like, go home. And I was like, that yeah. was tight. Like, that was the coolest security guard ever. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's always crazy. really cool, man. Um, how much feedback did you get with those color videos and those secondhand smoke videos? Like, were those did those hit right away, or did those take some time? Yeah, the videos were everything back then, even above the magazines. You know, once you got a new video, you'd watch it over and over and over and just, like, learn from people's parts, you know? Right. You'd see some tricks in there. Usually, when the videos came out, you're seeing stuff that's never been done before. So... Each video had, you know, all these new tricks that you'd never even thought of. And then you try to play catch up and learn what they were doing. So it was really cool. And when we came around, we weren't inventing tricks as much as we were pushing the tricks bigger, further, higher, whatever. So, yeah, like the earlier videos, like the H Street videos and stuff that Rodney was doing, they were inventing tricks that no one had ever seen before. Right. So, yeah. And I think... There might have been a few things that we were doing that hadn't been done like that, but mostly we were taking the tricks that we already knew and just doing them on bigger stuff. Right. Yeah. Which that the water tower made Thrasher, right? Yeah, that made the cover of Thrasher, and uh, our buddy Dan Sturt shot that one too. He's one of the best skate photographers. Like his black and white photography and just the way like he makes his own prints in a dark room, mm-hmm. and uh, 
he just knows how to control the look of those photos, get like the good contrast and just what he can do with a black and white print is pretty amazing. Unbelievable, man. Did, yeah. Do you still have an original copy of that magazine? Yeah, and uh, he actually gave me a print. I have a print of the Ollie, um, just the photo itself. So oh, he gave me a lot of cool, raw man. prints when we'd get stuff in the magazines because he'd have to print it out to turn it in for the magazine. Right. So he'd make more than one, so he'd have one, and he'd send one to me. So Do I have you, a lot of the, the true, real prints. That's fucking awesome. Do, yeah. you, do you know if anyone's ever tried that? Ever since the like, water tower, yeah. Um, as far as I know, no one's ever tried to skate it since. But uh, I, I have seen people go check it out recently. Like I've seen footage of um, one of the dudes from from Whittier now coming up. He went up and stood on top and looked at the edge. But then he wrote me after. He's like, "You're crazy. You know? <laughs> That's insane." Up there. Dude, Whittier had some skaters, man. I'm telling yeah. you, there were some some raw kids, dude. There, because there wasn't like. They had the skate park right there in Uptown, but a mm. lot of kids were mostly just, there's so many skate spots in Whittier, man. Mm-hmm. There's so many skate spots in Whittier. It's it's so many stairs. It's so many fucking outright, like just the high school, um, which is where we saw. Yeah, watched. Whittier High had some good stuff there too. Yeah. The bumps in the hallway, and then they had rails that were good. And then uh, there was even like these hubble ledges that went out of that um, courtyard in the middle. Yeah. Was rad. There was lots of this. Cool little spots in there, right? And then even Labra, we, uh, Whittier Christian was a good place too. There was yeah. a nice little seven stair. We still we would go roll through there sometimes, but we we wouldn't skate there that often. But every time we did, it's like there was a surprising amount of spots there Some too. Some decent stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, we saw. Um, like I said, my 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 cousins lived off uh in Whittier, right there off Putnam Street. So it was very close mm. to like the Whittier Boulevard, and we used to watch like a, like a Tony Cervantes. I think uh, it was a Tony Willie. I think that was his name. Yeah. See, Tony Willie's the one that got up there on the... No, oh, that was him. On the water tower. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he sent me the video of him like walking at the top. He was standing at the edge, and he looks like so tiny up there. Dude. So it gives you good perspective on how tall the thing is when you see someone standing at the edge. Do you... Okay, so a lot of times, my, my dad mentions this a lot. Um, when like... Uh, he's not like religious or anything, but he brings this up sometimes whenever he's talking about baseball. Mm-hmm. And he'll mention like, uh, like when you get hit a ground ball like you don't even hear anything like it's he's like to him that's a godly feeling that's what he that's what he thinks he's like when you hit that ground ball it's in the backhand mm-hmm. like you can't hear the fucking crowd you go there it's all instinctual and you just get there yeah do you have that do you kind of like get Where that you same tune feeling? everything out yeah like when you're For sure. when you're like already going super fast and you're like fuck it i'm in there's no yeah. slowing down and that's it yeah when when you're really good at skateboarding and, you need, and you're paying close attention and you're trying something really hard it's almost like it's in slow motion because a lot of the tricks, if you're doing something really technical and there's a handrail involved, everything, you can just see it in slow-mo. And uh, when something goes wrong, you know right away that something's not quite right and you try to get out of it as good as you can. And it's when you don't skate as often and you start losing that um, connection to like what's really happening, right. that's when you start slamming hard. Because sometimes you'll do a trick and it feels like you blinked, like you just something like it's like there's missing information, you know? Right. Those are the ones when you slam. But when you can oh. see everything and everything makes sense and everything's crystal clear, that's when you can do your most amazing stuff. Yeah, I I can totally relate, man. It's the same thing yeah. with uh with comedy. It really is. Like there's times up there where you're trying new jokes, and there's times where you, you know already you're gonna fuck up a little bit. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of fake it till you make it. Right. Because you're like. If I already go up there and think I'm going to fuck this up, then you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. Like, you have to just go up there and be like, all right, I'm just going to say some shit. And sometimes you say some, like, genius shit off the top of your head. It's even with yeah. this, even with podcasting. A lot of episodes I have where I'm just by myself for, like, 45 minutes, yeah. and I forgot that it was 45 minutes. Yeah. It just happened. It was, for, like, in a room <laughs> talking to fucking nobody. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it just, like, you, some genius come out of your mouth. You're like... And that's honestly how you should approach it, which is, which is pretty goddamn cool, man. Well, it's funny how you say, like, the last thought. Because uh, we learned that even when we were playing in a pool league, we were playing the APA pool league. And if you're going up, addressing a shot, and your your thought, your last thought is don't miss because this guy's going to beat you, you're going to miss. Yeah. <laughs> but if your last thought is you got to hit it right here at this angle, at this, you know, at this speed. Yeah. And then it goes exactly what you want. And right. the same thing with skateboarding. If you're, if you're worried about something and you're like, ah, oh, like if you're worried about getting hurt, you know, and your last thought is about getting hurt, you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, but if you're focused on exactly what you need to do, just breaking it down to like the basics, you know, just getting onto something good and, you know, 
not freaking out, right? Then you'll be fine. But you you have to just control your mind. But then sure. that's that's the most appealing thing to skaters to yeah. anything that does extreme sports because if you really apply like the most bait like it's it's a it's a three sixty flip. Right. People can do that on the ground, but it's not the 360 flip. It's the fact that it's done over all these stairs and done over this crazy thing. It's uh, it's Alex Honnold, the yeah. free the free soloer, like the guy's climbing rocks with no fucking ropes. Right. And the appeal to it is that anyone can do that if the walk if the rocks are like 10 feet high. Right. But up the Al Capitan, are you right. fucking nuts? Like, and then to, it's the mentality that people are drawn to, and that's yeah. why skaters are so like you know admired and shit. Well, it seems like so much could go wrong with that free climbing, you know? Because, <laughs> like, yeah, you can do it without the ropes. And, yeah, it's sketchier to do it, like, with no safety net at all. But, like, there's so much that could go wrong. Like, you could Dude. fall at any time. And, like, I don't I don't enjoy that kind of, like, risk-taking anymore, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to do crazy stuff. I was never the one that was in it for the adrenaline rush, like, I'm, I don't want to go skydiving. I don't need bungee jumping in my life. Yeah. Like, if I climb some rocks, I'm probably going to want the rope on, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to, like, skirt death at every, like, thing I do in life, right. you know? Now, I got a wife, I got kids, and, like, I got to be around, you know? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to get broke. Yeah, it's way different, man. Yeah. I, I get sweaty just watching that shit. I'm like, this is, it gives yeah. me anxiety. I'm like, I can't watch some motherfucker climb that stuff. Yeah, I've but, seen um, some sketchy ones, too. Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Um, so after plan, what, what happened after plan B? Where'd you go after plan B? Well, plan B, um, after the owner, Mike Ternesky, he passed away. He got in a car accident just around the corner from his house. He was heading into work in the morning and, um, a lady in a van just ran the red light and T-boned his car Fuck. and it took him out. And, um, someone else who worked another skateboarder that worked for the company was coming down the hill and saw what happened. So... It was our buddy Dave Andrick, and uh, he's like a legendary vert pro from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, he came and found me. I was staying at Mike's house when he left to go to work that morning. So Dave Holy found shit. him and came, and he found me there and told me what happened. And um, he was coming to tell Mike's wife, who was pregnant with their first child. And um, yeah, he said, if, if Mary shows up, you're going to have to tell her. I was like, I don't know if I can do that, you know? I mean, that's insane, I, yeah. Yeah, I knew him, but I didn't know him that well to to be able to pass that kind of news on to Mary. That's something that a family member should definitely do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, in the end, Dave was able to track her down wherever she was that morning. And I just drove home that day and had to tell my family what happened. Oh, man. So it was a that's wild insane. one. But after he passed away, that's the turning point for Plan B because like, the skateboarders tried to take over and keep the company running but mike was the one that knew what was going on and he like had everything in his mind figured out like how to run that ship correctly and us as skateboarders trying to help out and make it happen and still skate someone needed to just dedicate their their whole existence to running this company but we were all doing our own stuff it was danny way and colin mckay that that took the reins and tried to keep it afloat and they uh took Plan B out of World Industries and tried to do it through their own distribution. And it's just a lot of work for, you know, teenagers that are still skateboarding. Yeah, you you should be focusing on skating. Yeah, Yeah. so at some point it got just too much. We were... The demand for Plan B was so high, but we weren't able to produce enough product all at the same time to keep that going. And uh, it was really like the lack of product to keep the whole umbrella covered wow was what was the undoing of it if we were able to make more product i think we would have been fine but it's just the turnaround time on getting boards in and graphics and keeping up with apparel and then the shoe brand and all that stuff it was just too many pieces for us to to keep going it's like a good problem to have but it's still a fucking huge problem right you know like and in the end we just had to walk away and everyone had to find new sponsors and that's when um i think danny way went to alien workshop um, Colin McKay started a new brand through Alien Workshop later, but he went to Girl Skateboards for a little bit. I remember he, knew, girl. he was good friends with uh, Rick yeah. Howard, so he ended up on Girl for a while, and then I ended up um, on Element. So I remember I Element remember that, Skateboards yeah. was coming up, and uh, one of my old teammates from Color Skateboards was Chris Markovich. He had um, been riding for Element for a couple of years now, 
And uh, Element was a smaller brand back then, but they were coming up. And when Chris rode for them, they gave them a little more notoriety in the in the industry. And uh, I liked what they were doing. They put up a really good skate video out called um, Third Eye View. And Kenny Hughes and Reese Forbes were on the team, like two real powerhouse skateboarders. And I just thought my style of skateboarding would fit in good with that team at the time. So I ended up riding for Element. And, and Element was huge. Yeah. Well, they were huge. still growing at that point. They were still on the smaller end and i got on we made another video and just the brand kept growing and growing and they had all the things in place to make it work they had everything they needed to be successful and they actually figured out um, a way to do graphics where it was less time consuming they weren't doing like a lot of you know tight or like detailed artwork for their graphics they were pretty much just doing like graphic design like the logo a color someone's name a split in the board you know like mm-hmm. it was all just graphic elements rather than like art or illustration right so they were able to pump out all these different boards and just yeah they had a lot of product my first board was like that it was very like it was a chad Muska board and it was yeah. the same thing like a cut in the middle and then right. just like a, his name and it was yeah orange. that's the iconic one yeah yeah exactly i had the exact that was my first board and i cherish it to this day i don't fucking yeah. have it anymore i snapped it from being from shitty yeah You're those simple sn- graphics are rad though like you know it, it cool. has exactly what you need it has their name has some kind of image and some some poppy color. Yeah, know? exactly. That it yeah. doesn't I, need much. I fucking loved it, but I love the artwork stuff. There was right. um, I don't know if you remember um, Liberty Board Shop in Brea. Yeah. yeah, Liberty was the shit. They had a they had great graphics there. Yeah, I love their boards. They had yeah, they all had these good super shop boards. Yeah, yeah, they had great designs, and that was like my favorite. It was far. I was in La Habra, but it was worth yeah. the skate. I would skate all the way over there and just just to yeah. buy a fucking cool board, man. Yeah, I think one of our buddies, um, Rob White was doing the graphic design over there for a while. So he was doing designing all the shirts and boards and stuff. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Did you uh did they give you the freedom to create boards element too or no? It was weird because with Element they did a lot more series graphics. So yeah, I did all my boards for Blockhead and Color. And then I did most of mine for Plan B. I think there were like maybe three boards out of like twenty five or something that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. It was and that was the same thing, like if they're doing a series Skateboarding changed where there weren't as many individual board graphics. They had to do like series graphics for the whole team where they had a similar theme for the the whole range of like eight riders. They all had something similar and that way your brand would stand out on the on the wall in skate shop. You know, you could tell that it was, you know, an element board by the way the graphics were all in that series. So yeah, and the way they were doing the graphics where it took a lot of the art and illustration out of the out of the picture. Right. I did some of the stuff when they were struggling with something. Like I remember right when I got on, we had to choose an icon for my, um, my part in the series. So for my first ones, I did the Sphinx and, uh, they had some like third eye view thing after they did that video, third eye view. Yeah. They had a third eye view board graphic series. So there was kind of like, there was a pyramid in it and some other elements. And a lot of people had like an, like a bird, like an owl or uh, an eagle or like animal things. And then I ended up with a sphinx in that one. And then a lot of the other stuff I ended up with like, uh, because I'm an Aries, I was born in April Mm -hmm. and my sign is an Aries. So I had a lot of uh, Ram related graphics. So we use a Ram icon. So I drew some of that stuff when they needed something. But other than that, it was all them just doing graphic design for my boards. Dude, to me, that's, that's fucking, that's what made me buy the board. Yeah. So I, I didn't like when they kind of went uh, factory with it. Like, right. I, I some I did like because uh, I liked uh, some of the Plan B. I liked when everyone did like the same uh, like like the green P rod board was like one of my favorite boards. Mm-hmm. Forgot I forgot exactly the specific model, but um, it's just like if I'm a huge uh, vinyl lover, I love fucking records. Right. I like when someone puts fucking uh, detail into their record. Yeah. Like to this day, I'm a huge Metallica fan. People talk shit on the Black album, even, <laughs> though, even though it's phenomenal. Right. But because it's just fucking basic. Like you just put yep. black on the fucking front. But it's like got a, a little snake on there. A little snake. It's fucking yeah. no big deal. <laughs> but it's like a little fucking. It's, it's not even like white, so it stands out. It's right. like gray. Yeah. You know, like the Master of Puppets, the Ride the Lightning, like all yeah. these other albums. They had something True. like and Justice for All. The artwork on that is phenomenal. Like yeah. That's what appeals your eyes when you're a kid. Like if you look back, all like suicidal tendencies, their artwork. Yeah. All these bands had this, and so when you got lazy with it, everyone's like, "Motherfucker!" So yeah. like I, I felt the same about boards. Yeah. I wanted to have something that someone I know that that guy fucking put 
time right. into that shit. It gives it more personality, yeah. And yeah. it gives you a little look into what they're about. Right. Yeah. So it, artwork definitely helps. It's huge. Do you do you still do that now? Yeah. Um, for our brand, Ray Bros brand, that me and my brother Jonas are doing, I do all the graphics and logos and design work for that. So yeah, some of it is hand-drawn when it has to be, and some of it I can do through the computer, but like it's usually a mix of both. I'll draw something out by hand, take a photo of it or scan it in, and then run it through the computer to clean it up or put the colors in, mm -hmm. do all the color separations so we can get it printed, stuff like that. And you guys like sell those to like uh, independent shops, or how does that work? Yeah, we sell the boards to the local shops, and also you can buy direct. So we have the raybros.com up and running, so... People can just buy it from there, and we'll ship it out. And uh, we usually put in extra stuff for them. Anyone that orders through the site, yeah, we have like you know sunglasses or keychains or stickers, whatever else we have on hand. We usually hook them up. If yeah, we have, if we have grip tape, and we have more than we need, we can throw a sheet of grip in for them. We oh, always dude. try to hook them up. We'll fucking we'll buy some shit here, man. I, I still, yeah. I'm still decorating this room, as you can tell. So putting some stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get a fucking board up here. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah, that'd be really. We sold cool. out of all of our boards right before the holidays. No and, way. Uh, yeah, because of COVID, all the all the factories are are back ordered, so we haven't been able to get boards since you know last year. Fuck. So and all of them are all the woodshops are all backed up to even get an order in. You might not get it for like another five or six months. Holy shit! So man. we're we're making the shift right now just to get product out. We're gonna make more shirts and hats and just fill in the gaps with whatever we can make to get it on the site right away and then we'll get these boards in as soon as we can and you guys have a so, so social media for that ray bros yeah we have a an instagram page but it seems like most people just want to go straight to my page and get yeah. the info, info there but we do have a it's the at ray bros for the ray bros page on instagram mm -hmm. and then my own is just the at jeremy underscore ray w-r-a-y for that one and that one yeah that gets a lot more traffic over there people want to see the trick of day and stuff like that so, oh, dude, yeah, all that's just on there. That's the best, man. So if uh, if you had any advice for for skaters entering the field now, because it's yeah. a, it's a fucking it's a different ballgame, like you said, with the social media and it's the me me me. The team aspect's kind of fucking gone. Yeah. Um, what would you give to an up and coming skater trying to make it right now? It's I'd say it's tougher to come up right now, but um, I think that's even changing because um, for a while there were so many good skateboarders out there. And if everybody's good, obviously the industry can't sponsor everybody and not everybody who's good is going to make it. So you have to start making connections with people that either ride for somebody already and just get in good with them or, you know, get noticed somehow to get the ball started. And once you're on a brand, make sure you're taking the right steps to just skate as much as you can, get the right photos. And if you're trying to do the contest route, just make sure you're in the right contest and doing your best. But, uh, yeah, some people just go for the contest winnings and placings and try to work their way up that way. And other people don't do contest skating at all. And they're just about filming for videos and shooting photos for the magazines. And that works, too. Just find what you're good at and just be as good as you can at that, you know. And it it helps to be well-rounded. I always try to do a little of everything, like skate street do contests, skate some ramps, you know, and try to learn everything because that just helps no matter what in the future, you're more well-rounded. And some people made it to the top with only having three good tricks, but they do them better than anyone else. And they would just get photos in the magazines, get the cover doing that. And then when it came down to it, they didn't have much more to offer. So just learn everything. Awesome, man. Jeremy uh, Ray, I promised you an hour. We yeah. did an hour. Cool. Beautiful. Everybody, this has been a great fucking episode man um like i said i am a kid from la Habra, man I'm a, I'm a i'm a nobody and uh this is a local legend in front of us man this is uh as kids we skated around the you know the neighborhood we thought about jemmy ray we thought about austin gillette we thought yeah. about all you guys man uh i mentioned a few whittier skaters earlier too man and uh i'm glad to have you in here man i, I want like i said i want to build this shit from the inside out yeah. any of local la Habra legends that are out there i'm trying to get them to come in talk about their upbringing because you guys are the kids that made it out yeah, you, we'd idolize you like Whittier for ball. It was Nomar Garcia Parra. Nice. Talked about him. Same yeah. thing. You know, he's the kid that made it out. So it's great that you came in here, man. I, everyone wanted to hear your advice. Go yeah. check out uh, Ray Bros. You know, buy their products, whatever you guys can do. And uh, thanks for stopping. Cool. Right on. Yeah, it was fun. Perfect. I'll see you guys later. Peace.